On today's episode of the Digging In Podcast, we talk about part two of the story of Saul. everybody and welcome back to another episode of the digging in podcast thank you so much for joining us for part two of the story of king saul maybe you have noticed in the last 10 seconds that the sound quality sounds a whole lot better well that's because uh, when your church invests in you and invests in podcast equipment things are just better so hopefully this sounds a little bit better and hopefully this is a little bit more uh maybe less distracting for everyone (laughs) But hey, we're going to jump into the story of Saul, and we're going to finish his story up. And just a little bit of uh, kind of insight into where we're going today is if you guys have read through the book of 1 Samuel, the first half of the book of Samuel, then you recognize the fact that Saul... Saul's story kind of comes to an end here in in a pretty brutal way. And intermixed with the story of Saul is the uprising of who will be called the greatest king in the history of Israel with the story of David. So his story starts in uh, 1 Samuel 16, and we're going to kind of mention him here and there, but we're not going to dive into the story of David today. So although the two stories are intermixed, David gets his own spotlight over the next two episodes. And uh, so we're just going to stick with the story of Saul and watch his very, very humanistic decline into utter and total self-destruction. And we're going to learn from uh, this horrible self-destruction as to obviously why or how we can not do that, but also where Saul went wrong and what that means for us in 2021. So without further ado, why don't you guys go ahead and grab your Bible, your pen and some paper and let's dig in. Father God, thank you so much for bringing us together to allow us the opportunity to fix our eyes on you. God, every single time we pray, we pray the same thing because at the end of the day, God, this is what's most important. In a world that looks to pull us in every possible direction to every possible distraction, if we would just fix our eyes on you, we would be doing the thing that makes you smile, the thing that makes you delight in us. And that is when we put off ourselves, put off our own desires, throw it all away and give everything to you. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to learn from your scriptures. And I pray that you would open up all of our eyes and teach us what you want us to learn and reveal to us who you are more through this entire episode. We love you, God. Thank you so much in your name. Amen. All right, everyone, welcome to uh, this crazy episode today as we watch one of the most just distressing, one of the most horrific self-destructive stories in the whole Bible um, as Israel's first king, King Saul, goes from being the king over Israel and helps them rise to an amazing place and then pretty quickly falls to the lowest of lows. And so for those of you who have not done the reading yet, the reading today is going to be 1 Samuel 15 through 31. Once again, I know that's a lot to read, but if you split it up just right, maybe you read 1 Samuel 1 through 15 uh, for the last episode 
episode, and now you're going to finish off with 16 through 31 today. Again, uh, this is the point in the Bible, uh, just like I feel like everywhere in the Bible, where it becomes so abundantly clear that if we don't read the full story of something, then not only do we not get all of the context, but we might actually be missing out on some super important and valuable information. So my encouragement to you is to lay down yourself, lay down the desire that you might have to not read all of that today and really set aside time to dig into scripture on your own. As much as I would love to just give you the answers to everything, I do not believe that that is what God has in store for any of us, nor do I believe that that's what the Holy Spirit uh, living in you is for. If you truly believe in God, and you truly believe in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, and you truly believe in the inner working of the Holy Spirit inside of you as a modern day believer, then what you should understand is that as you read, if you come with an open heart and an open mind to allow the Holy Spirit to teach you things, then you have the opportunity today to experience God on a very personal and real and relevant manner just by reading his word. And so it is my belief, it is the belief of a lot of other Christians throughout the world, that as you read scripture, you are not only encountering God, but you are opening yourself up to the teachings of the Holy Spirit. So let the Holy Spirit teach you, lay down yourself and experience completely the word of God and all that he might be teaching you and revealing to you today. So go ahead and read 1 Samuel 15 through 31, and then make sure that you have already answered the question, what is a king? What is a king who is perfect? So answer, what is the king? And then what does a perfect king look like? And once again, before you write down, Jesus is the perfect king, I want you to actually break it down into qualities and characteristics and ways that the king would talk to people or treat other people. So do all that, read it, answer that question, and then join us back. All right, so the recap is that in 1 Samuel, we talked about the opening, the opening section. We talked about the calling of the prophet Samuel, the 25th prophet so far in Scripture. And we talked about how he sets the stage for what is to become the brightest days of Israel's history. And so what he does is he allows uh, the faith of God and, and, and honestly just what it looks like to be a faithful person of God to be on the forefront of everyone's mind in Israel. But due to an attack from a foreign nation, everyone runs to him as the faithful leader and says, can you give us a king? All the other nations have kings, so we want a king to lead us and rule us as well. And although Samuel's like, wait a second, God is your king, they don't really believe that. And, and so ultimately God allows this to happen and says, you guys want a king? Take a king. And so they get the one asked for, that is King Saul. His name means the one asked for. And so the one asked for, Saul leads Israel into a time of pretty great prominence. They, they start to win military battles. They start to establish their name. And Israel seems to be getting a little bit more unified. But then suddenly, because he does not have a real genuine faith in God, he starts to disobey God by disobeying Samuel. And he ultimately ends up forsaking God in two major ways. He lets down God. He lies about letting down God, lies about his uh, sin against God. And that ultimately leads to God in chapter 15. God rejects Samuel as king. 
And that's what we picked up today as we read 15 one more time, just to read that painful story of the disobedience and utter lack of care for who God is and what God is doing. And yet again, another human being, just like Genesis 3 and Genesis 11, and I mean, all over the Bible, uh, just human beings choosing their own way over God's way and saying, my way is better and I know what I'm doing. So just as we read that, we open up to 1 Samuel 16 and read of this weird story that happens on the side, a, a secret story that Saul has no idea about, which is the calling of David. This is God's calling and appointing of David to become the next king of Israel. And he is none other than the young, not very handsome, but sort of handsome shepherd boy who works in the fields of this entire family. And once again, we should we should pause here for some genealogy checks, because if you remember the story of Ruth and Boaz, then you are now experiencing the fruit of that story firsthand. Because if you remember, Ruth and Boaz gave birth to a person named Obed. And Obed gave birth to someone named Jesse. And then right there in 16, we read about Jesse and we read about his offspring, the youngest shepherd boy, who's not even with the rest of the brothers, who is the son called David. And that is who God appoints. God appoints the unsuspecting, unlikely person to become the next king of Israel. And then we read a really great uh, little story in 17 uh, about David and Goliath, very famous. But before that, in between uh, David being called and appointed by God and the story of David and Goliath, we actually have a really important section. Because remember, we're not talking about David today. We're talking about Saul. And so if you read with me uh, in 16, 14 through the end of that chapter, so to verse 23, what you're going to read is Saul losing the spirit of God because God rejects him as the king. So God takes away the spirit. Well, then what God does is he gives a harmful spirit to Saul. Now, I'd love to sit here and talk all day about why and what that means, but uh, I'm not going to do that (laughs) today. I just want to keep cruising through. But what I want to say is that just like Pharaoh had a few chances to uh, reject himself and fall to God and say, God, God of Israel is king, uh, just like Pharaoh had those opportunities and never did. Then God hardened Pharaoh's heart and he says, I'm going to turn your evil into my good. And so in this circumstance, the short answer is that Saul has already had his opportunity, his chances to really, you know, accept that God's way is better than his own way. And he continues to choose his own way. So God takes away his spirit from him and instead gives him the harmful spirit that says, I'm going to turn your evil into my good. And then what we read is that David becomes a servant in Saul's court, and he plays a beautiful instrument for Saul whenever Saul so chooses to listen. And then we read the story of David and Goliath, the oh-so-famous story that we all know and all misread and all misinterpret. And as Matt Chandler once said, you are not David. So just keep that in mind. Uh, When you read David, don't think about yourself as the one conquering the giant just totally not what that story is for. And what follows that story in in chapter 18 is Saul's jealousy of David, that all of a sudden the young and, you know, uh, unlikely hero of the shepherd boy, David, 
becomes the subject of the king of Israel's jealousy. The mighty, handsome, tall, and powerful King Saul is now jealous of an unlikely little shepherd boy who plays music in his courts. And he's so jealous because everyone is saying things like what you read right there in, in 18 is, uh, that Saul has the ten or has the thousands. The, he's killed thousands of people, but David ten thousands. And Saul does not like that, and he looks at him in envy and disgust from then on out. In fact, in nineteen we read that Saul tries to kill the young shepherd boy David, and it's awful. Like he throws a spear at him, and David, in his young, agile, athletic self, dodges the spears and runs. And then what we read is uh, Saul's son, Saul's own son, Jonathan and David, who have a pretty great relationship. Uh, Jonathan warns David that he thinks that his dad's going to continue to actually try and kill him. And so David remains on the run. And so David, uh, during this period of time, is, is running and hiding, running and hiding, trying not to be killed by Saul. And this is actually really important to point out here. This is some of the period of time when David was actually writing some of those psalms that you read in the book of Psalms, some of these, these uh, lamenting psalms where he's scared and he's nervous and he thinks that there's enemies all around him and he might die at any minute. And then what happens? Well, he realizes that God is his deliverer. So the Psalms, a lot of them are written during this time of David running away from Saul and away from other enemies as everyone seems to be trying to kill him. And then what we read is, uh, as we, we continue flipping, we get through 21 and 22 and 23, is we read that Saul's jealousy is getting to a very dangerous place. And in 23, he's looking for David, and he's looking so hard for David, and he can't find David, that the first people he runs into that have a clue of where David is say, hey, we messed up, we're really sorry, uh, we didn't mean to you know, let him evade you, we had no clue, we're so sorry, King Saul. And these people are priests, they're priests of God. And what does he do to them after they, you know, they confess to him and they say, we're really sorry. He kills them. In 23, he kills the priests of God in a foreign town. And that's awful because if you guys remember, there were some other people in the Bible who actually uh, killed priests and their stories didn't really end very well either. So just keep that in mind because he's still chasing David, the young little shepherd boy, out of jealousy and, and power-hungry anger. And then in 24, we read this crazy story that Saul is actually going to the bathroom at one point, and David is really close by. David has the chance to kill him and doesn't. And then he calls out to him and says, hey, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Show mercy on me just like I have to you. And Saul says, oh, thank you for not killing me. I'm so sorry. You are worthy of praise. I'm so sorry. I promise I won't do anything again. And of course, that's a lie because he, he does. And then we read in 25 about the death of Samuel. And while this may not seem important at the time, uh, Saul has already lost any sense of faith in God and any sort of you know, guiding force in God. But the death of Samuel really brings about this horrible news that faith to Saul is lost. And remember, all the while, while Saul is running and basing everything he has in his life on envy and anger, David is also running away, but he's basing everything in his life based on faith and trust in God, knowing that no matter how difficult his circumstances, God is with him. 
So two very, very different things. But as Samuel dies, we begin to feel that the story of Saul and David might go wheels off here in a second. And sure enough, it does because Saul still tries to kill David. And then David has another opportunity in this moment to actually spare Saul's life. He could have killed him again. And he doesn't. And he says, have mercy on me, just like I've had mercy on on you. I could have killed you and I didn't. And then Saul says, oh, you're so right. I'm so sorry. I promise I won't do anything else. Again, another lie because he continues to chase him, continues to be envious, and then David continues to run. And the story of David gets a little bit weird because he starts to uh, have his own experiences with foreign nations and um, kind of the trickery of foreign nations uh, and and some of his own experience as he's trying to hide. And then uh, one day, Saul is called into battle. This is uh, at 31. And he's called into battle to basically fight against the Philistines. And it is his job at this point to defeat them. But he knows that he really can't. And the Philistines are very much overpowering him. And so he goes into a battle. He's probably going to lose. And he knows he's probably going to lose it. And he is uh, injured, brutally injured. And then decides at that moment that he's brutally injured that he doesn't want to be captured or taken away by the Philistines because they would torture him and, 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 you know, do terrible things to him. And so he tells his armor bearer to kill him. He says, like, I draw your sword and thrust it into me. And the guy was like, no, I'm not going to kill you. You're the king. Why would I kill you? And so Saul takes the sword himself and kills himself because he doesn't want to be shamed as the king of Israel. And that is the story of Saul. And it's depressing by so many ways. And I blew through it pretty quick. But what I want us to look at is his decline. I want us to look at the fact that he was the king of Israel. And out of horrific, almost satirical, what I mean by satirical is it seems absurd that the king of Israel would have been so jealous of the victory of one of his own people that he then tried to chase them and kill him. He devoted his entire kingly rule after that moment to killing the one who saved Israel. And that's terrible in so many ways. But the thing is, is that God gave him opportunities to essentially to accept himself, to accept God and throw away himself. And he didn't. And so God called David to be the next king and allowed and blessed David with his spirit and took away Saul's. And so all the evil of Saul continues moving him downward, 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 downward into this terrible self-destructive spiral, just like Pharaoh. If you guys remember the story of Pharaoh, you remember that he had five chances to accept God as the king of the universe and let Israel go out of slavery, and it doesn't happen. And so God says, I'm going to now harden your heart. He begins to harden Pharaoh's heart using the strategy of, I'm going to make your evil my good. And so that happens again here with Saul sending him a harmful spirit to essentially harden his heart. So that way the evil of Saul takes him over just as it was, it was going to anyway, but it takes him over and brings him down into this horrible, envious, angry cycle. And so we run into the theme yet again of this horrible human nature coming face to face with the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of man. And so what we see is an unfaithful Saul 
falling to his horrible demise because of his own choice to seek his own way and seek himself and his desire, his own power, his own rise to fame, seeking everything of himself versus David, who sought only God and to do the glory of God. And unfortunately, it leads to Saul's death and David's eventual rise. But the plus side is, folks, the faithful leader, the faithful military leader in David then steps up and opens the door to usher in the brightest days in the history of Israel. And so the lesson today, the lesson that we see here is that yet again, God is using the story of a broken human being to bring about the glory of his name. And he does it by saying, look how faithful my servant is. Look how faithful David was. When the walls were closing in, when everything around him was nothing but enemies trying to kill him, what did he do? He fell to his knees and he wrote the Psalms. He wrote so many of the Psalms because he was faithful that even though He was trusting in God that even though the terrible things were all around him, that God would lift him out of all of this and that God would lead him into a better life. It was David's faith that took him from terrible destruction and disaster and into a full and abundant trusting life in God. What does that look like for you today? Maybe the year 2021 didn't start out the way that you really had planned it to. Maybe 2020 is still having some residual effects on you today. If that's the case, then I invite you to fall to your knees and pray to God. Spend some time today really contemplating who God is and why would you pray to him? And once you realize that he's the God of the universe, the king of all things, the giver of life, then I think you'll come to a place where you'll be on your knees thanking God for the fact that you even have life in the first place and remembering that he does everything for his glory and for your good. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons From series. Join us next time as we open up to the brightest days in the history of Israel as we talk about the great King David. David.